things that we benefit from. When we say our sages, we refer to the men of the great assembly, the Knesset Haggadola, which was at the very beginning of the Second Temple period, about 2,300 years ago. Almost all our blessings were created then. We've done a class both on the Knesset Haggadola, on the great assembly, and on the blessings, on the various blessings that we do. We thank God for food before and after eating, for fragrance before we smell something, for natural wonders, um, for uh, all sorts of things. We have various blessings. They also wrote a blessing to be recited each month thanking Hashem for the moon. The blessing is called Birchat HaLevana, the blessing on the moon. Um, Levana is um, the word for the... Um, one of two words in Hebrew used for the moon, a more common term in Mishnaic era Hebrew, Second Temple and post-Second Temple era Hebrew. Um, there is another term used in scripture, Yareach, um, which I think is used in modern Hebrew, but uh, Levana is the more common term in um, Talmudic era Hebrew, so it's called Birchat HaLevana, the blessing of the moon, or it's also called Kiddush Levana, which means sanctifying or making the moon holy. Um, now, most blessings that thank God for a particular thing are pretty simple. It basically says, Baruch is the standard um, term coined for blessings, Baruch HaTashem, Elokeinu Melech Olam, which itself is universal, blessed are you God, our master, king of the universe. Um, and then it says, for whatever it is, thanking God for whatever it is. Some blessings are a little bit longer, but that's what most of them are. Um, but the blessing on the moon is quite a bit more elaborate quite a bit more detailed. And when we say the blessing for the moon each month, we don't just recite the blessing, but there is, it's quite a detailed ceremony um, or um, selection of prayers that cover about three pages in our prayer book. It's quite a detailed ceremony. It's not just thanking God for the moon, the way we thank God for other things. It's not just thanking God that we have the moon that gives us light at night before we had lit up streets um, and electricity. It's not just thanking God for the moon that gives us our tides, but the moon has great significance in Jewish thought, in Jewish mysticism, Kabbalah. The moon has very, very great significance. What is the significance of the moon? Firstly, the moon is unique that it doesn't stay the same. It waxes and wanes, or in more simple words, gets bigger and smaller. We know the moon gets very, very big until you have a full moon, and then it gets very, very small until you have a tiny crescent, and then it disappears for one night every month, almost every month, and then it reappears um, as a it reappears as a um, crescent again, and then it slowly, slowly gets bigger until it becomes a full moon. That cycle takes about 29 and a half days. We know whenever there's a new moon, it's always a new month. Whenever the new moon is visible, it's a new month in Judaism, Rosh Chodesh. Um, I should mention, I didn't mention earlier, that tonight, tomorrow, is going to be Rosh Chodesh of the 11th month of Shvat. Um, and then it takes about 15 days to become a full moon, and then just under 15 days, and then another just under 15 days to, or less, 14 days to go back to, be, to disappearing again, and then it reappears. So it has that cycle of getting bigger and getting smaller. In many ways, the moon reflects life. 
The Talmud says that life is like a galgal, a wheel. Compares life to a galgal hachoser, a wheel that spins. Everyone's life is a wheel that spins. It goes up, then it goes down. And then it goes up, then it goes down. Like a, like a wheel. You have good moments and bad moments. There are, um, there are heights and lows, highs and lows, times when things are wonderful, very successful, everything is going right, and times when things are going horrible, everything's going wrong. But the good thing is, well, nobody stays in the same spot for too long. Everything's going right, you're not going to stay there for too long. Everything's going wrong, you're not going to stay there either for too long. It keeps moving. Life keeps like the moon. Gets bigger and smaller. Get bigger and smaller. Bigger and smaller goes up and down. And so we have that comparison. Human life is compared to the moon in that sense. Secondly, um, They don't wax away the way the moon does. Only the moon does. So, secondly, it reflects our people. Our people, the Jewish people, have also gone up and down. Our sages say, Yisrael, Domin Levana, Israel is compared to the moon. It goes up and down. We have had good times. We've had bad times. Times our people have suffered. Times our people have succeeded. And we also seem to be, as a people, on a national level, have gone kind of in this cycle of going up and down, up and down. Great moments and then moments of loss and suffering. There's another connection, another uniqueness about the moon. The moon <coughs> is the smaller of two primary bodies that we have in our sky. In our sky that we see from Earth, we see the sun, of course, is the biggest and you know, most powerful body that we see in the sky that gives us all of our light and our energy. And then when the sun is gone, out comes the moon. Not every night, it varies. But the moon comes out and the moon gives us light. Today, because we live in urban environments with street lights and lots of light, it's hard to see the moonlight or we see the moon is shining, but you don't realize how powerful that light is. But if you are out away from an urban environment during a full moon or even a sizable moon, you will be able to see by moonlight. It is bright. It gives us some light at night. Um, so it's the smaller of the two bodies in the sky, but it is one of two bodies. But it has no light of its own. It reflects the sun. That's why it waxes and wanes. That's why it gets bigger and smaller, because depending on its relationship to the sun and to us, we're able to see oh, sometimes only part of its reflection, sometimes we can see its full reflection depending on its relationship to the sun. So this is similar to our people, people of Israel. Our people are not unique on our own. There is nothing unique about the Jewish people that makes us different from every other people on earth other than God made us so. We are simply reflecting God. We have nothing unique like the, just as the moon has no light of its own. We have no unique light of ourselves. There's nothing that we are not genetically better or superior from other peoples on earth. We are unique as a nation. And the Torah says superior as a nation, not because of anything we have done, but because God has chosen us, because we reflect God. Our uniqueness is our reflection of God. 
it also is considered uh, the moon is also reflects our great king of Israel King David who has in a sense reflects us in the same way who recognized himself it says David who hakatan David was the small one although he rose to prominence as king of Israel it was not really due to um, his own power but it was due he saw it all as a gift from God God gave it to him as a gift there was nothing unique about himself the waxing and waning is also seen in David's lifetime King David himself um, had low times high times and never stayed in one spot at times where he was this great powerful ruler and times where he was humbled where he had to flee his own capital because of a re rebellion by his own son times where he transgressed God's God's words trying times when he sinned God had David had ups and downs highs and lows in his own life again reflecting the waxing and waning but also he saw himself as not being an important person on his own he not that he deserved royalty but also reflects the Shekhinah, the divine presence. The divine presence of God, um, the Shekhinah, is um, God's presence the way it is found here in this universe. Um, God's presence is an expression of God himself. God himself is infinitely beyond the universe. Our universe is finite. God is infinite. But his presence can be felt here on earth, and that the way God's presence is felt on earth is called the Shekhinah. Now, the Shekhinah is a reflection of God himself, of God's infinite self, as found on earth, has nothing of its own like the moon, so the moon also represents the Shekhinah. A third theme of the moon, in addition to the fact that it gets bigger and smaller, and has no light of its own, but just reflects the light of the sun, is that despite its waxing and waning, despite it having no light of its own, it continues along a predictable path. And it remains consistent and eternal. It keeps orbiting our Earth. Doesn't stop, doesn't move, doesn't adjust, just keeps orbiting in a very, very predictable manner. It's a somewhat complex manner. The Moon is pulled by a number of different forces, most notably our Earth and the Sun. But we're also moving, and so because of that, the Earth's, um, uh, the the Moon's path is somewhat complex. It doesn't go in a perfect circle; it goes in a very complex path. But even so, because it's kind of being pulled in different directions, um, but even so, it, once one understands the complex path, its path is totally predictable. Um, and so, uh, and it remains consistent and it is eternal, not going to change. In the future times, we are told that the light of the moon will be as powerful as the light of the sun. God will raise the size of the moon to make it even greater than it was originally. It says when God first created the universe, he made the sun, the moon bigger, and then he made it smaller. Um, hope, I hope to do a class in the summer. I have a class scheduled for, uh, in detail, we'll talk about God making the moon smaller and what exactly that means, um, what the meaning of that actually is. Fascinating subject of its own. But um, we do believe in future times, we're told, God will make the moon back to, uh, much, much bigger. It will, be, it will rise and be bigger, the bigger of the luminaries in the sky. And the same is true for our people. 
Despite the fact that we have ups and downs, despite the fact that we are, as we said, in a wheel, our people are eternal. We continue to survive as God's chosen people and will continue. And our, our survival is predictable. It is something that will continue. I think in, um, in the year 2000, um, when the um, January 1st, when the new millennium began, um, the New York Times Cre um, created a um, um, <clears throat> um, created a mock paper for what for a New York Times paper of twenty in twenty one hundred um, the year twenty one hundred the end of the century um, I guess they were trying to create the paper and I don't know whose idea it was but on the paper there was a time for a while that the New York Times used to publish the weekly Shabbat Times the candlelighting Times every Friday. Um, someone paid for the ad, and for many years, the New York Times published the candlelighting times every Friday. I think by then they had stopped, but they obviously thought it was a cool idea because January 1st, 2100 is going to be apparently on a Friday, so they thought it would be cool to publish the candlelighting times for Shabbat candlelighting then. Um, but what's interesting is they obviously meant it as a spoof, as a, um, you know, kind of to point out that we could calculate it for then, but they also clearly thought that we Jews would still be around in 2100. Um, so that's a given, right? That we Jews will always continue. Uh, <clears throat> in the future times, God will make us light to the nations. Everyone will recognize our role and serve God in the Jewish way. And so um, we will like this moon, our light will once again shine, will become greater than it is now. And the same is true also for the royal house of David, um, another theme that we keep bringing back content, uh, connected to the moon, who despite the ups and downs, we believe that the royal house of David will continue forever. His descendant will be Mashiach, the future redeemer, who will usher in an era of peace, um, and his reign will be recognized over the whole world, again, compared to the moon. So the blessing that we make, thanking Hashem for the moon, is not just about the moon. It's about recognizing the ups and downs in our lives, it's about recognizing the history of Israel. It's about recognizing the royal family of David. It is thanking Hashem for our ability to shine that comes only from Him, recognizing His Shekhinah, His divine presence that is a reflection of Himself, also represented by the moon, and finally recognizing the eternity of our people, of the house of David, and how it will be restored, both the greatness of our people and the royal house of David with the coming of Moshiach. So all of these themes the waxing and waning, the eternity, the future, the fact that, our, our, that we don't have a light of our own, but it comes from, the, um, but it comes from God, um, and representing both the Jewish people, the David, the house of David, and um, the Shekhinah, the presence, are all themes represented by the moon, and all things that we invoke when we make this blessing on the moon. So as you can see, it's not just thanking God for the moon. There is much, much more to it. It is a much deeper, more powerful blessing than that. Any questions? Yes? Do we have a blessing for the sun? That's a very good question. Do we have a blessing for the sun? The answer is yes, we do have a blessing for the sun. However, unlike the moon where we make a blessing every month, the blessing for the sun is made every 28 years. The last time we did it was in 2009. 
The next time, we're exactly halfway now in 2023. The next time um, we will do it will be in um, 2037. So, yes, we have a special blessing for the sun and a ceremony that goes along with it. Yes. Sorry? Because it doesn't wax and wane like the moon doesn't get. You don't have a new moon every month. You don't have a new sun every month. So the solar cycle, the Jewish solar cycle, is a 28-year cycle. So does, does that comport with what we know from astrophysics today? That's a very good question. Maybe one day, it might take 14 years, we'll do a class on the solar cycle and the blessing of the sun. Rabbi, did I hear you say that there will be a coming era of peace? Yes, the coming of Moshiach, yes. And, okay, so that will bring all nations together? Yes. Yes, yes. We did a class on the coming of Moshiach um, in the past. Uh, we have a podcast about it. But it's one of the fundamental beliefs in Judaism. Yes, there. Is there some date that we're expecting? Moshiach to come? Yes. We don't know. But we, so we do hope and idea? we wait for it and hope that it's coming very soon. Okay. Yes. Uh, I'm particularly struck with food blessing of the moon and given the importance that you laid out again uh, the, the first part of my question is there seems to be from my, my study a time period in which to do the blessing I will get and, to all the details in just a moment okay and <coughs> my second part of the question is why isn't the the you know the deadline for doing the blessing represented in our own Calendar I will get to. I will get to that. Very good. That's a good question that I don't necessarily have an answer to, uh, but it, we will put it in the suggestion box and maybe we, we should. Do. Uh, that's a very good question. How is God going to make the moon bigger? Exactly what that means, I don't know, because um, I don't know what it would be like with a bigger moon. It would ruin our surf, right? Um, and a lot of other things. Um, so what that means, I don't know. We're going to do a class, God willing. We have one scheduled in the summer on um, God making the moon smaller and bigger. We'll talk about that more in great detail. Well, depends on the orbit. Yes, yes, maybe it will change its orbit. Right, then it will still ruin our surf. So let's, let's continue. So given the great power and meaning behind the blessing of, of the moon, we have many customs and readings that go along with it. The Talmud says that since the moon represents the divine presence of God, it reflects the sun just as the Shekhinah, the presence of God found in our universe, reflects God. So therefore, when we bless the moon, it is as if we are greeting the Shekhinah, greeting the, the divine presence. And therefore, the blessing must be recited standing. Most blessings can be recited in any posture you want, you wish. The blessing on the moon must be recited standing. Given its importance, we also try to recite it with a minion, with a quorum of ten men. It is not required, but it is encouraged to recite it with a quorum of ten men and then recite the Kaddish at the end. We are supposed to dress because we are, it is like we are greeting the Shekhinah, the presence of God is found in our universe. We are supposed to dress in our best clothing in honor of the blessing of the moon. Dress in fancy, nice clothing in honor of the blessing. 
Now, it is impractical to expect people to change just for the blessing, which takes all of a couple minutes. So our sages said, ideally, what we should do is we should recite the blessing of the moon on Saturday night, right after Shabbat, when we are still wearing our Shabbos clothing. So what we usually do is we have evening services at the end of Shabbos. After the evening services, we have a minion, we have a quorum of 10 for the evening services. Then we go outside on Saturday night and we recite the blessing over the moon while we on the, for the moon while we are still wearing our, our nice Shabbos clothing. So when is this blessing said? So the blessing of the moon must be said when the moon is visible after the beginning of the Jewish new month. Now it should be said when the light of the moon is bright enough to give us light. So we should wait three days after the first moon is visible. Um, the first moon, the moon, the time that the moon is visible is called the molad. The molad is calculated. It is the exact same, um, the exact same um, period each month. It's exactly. 29 days, 12 hours, 44 minutes, and 3 and a third seconds it takes for the moon to be visible again each month. Um, and so that molad, um, we know when it is every single month. And so one should wait till three, till three days after the molad um, for the moon to be large enough to give us light where you can actually see by its light. Before that, the moon is not large enough and bright enough in order to see by its light. In addition to being very small in the first day, it's, very, it's just a crescent, it also is very low in the sky. When it's low in the sky, you see it through much denser atmosphere. Um, think of um, the atmosphere as kind of a layer above us. So it's like when you see the sun right before the sun sets, the sun is not very strong because when you see it as on a diagonal through the atmosphere, if you're see, looking at it through much denser atmosphere, the light is not as strong. So only after the third day from the molad should we recite the, um, the, um, the blessing on the moon. It should be recited, though, before 15 days after the molad. 15 days after the molad, the molad is... The whole cycle of the moon is about 29 and a half days. Um, about 15 days after Molot is just past kind of the middle point in the moon's cycle. And it's still pretty much, at least to the naked eye, at 15 days still looks like a full moon. But once it begins to get smaller, we don't want to make a blessing on a retreating moon, on a diminishing moon. We want to make a blessing on a growing moon, thanking God for the moon. So we wait from three days until 15 days. Now, according to Kabbalah, though, we are told that we should wait not three days, but seven days. Seven days after the Molad, after the new moon, is when the moon is half full. It's just over 14 to 14 and a half days, the full cycle of 14 days for it to be full. Um, and so seven days is when the moon is half full before we recite Kiddush Levana, before we recite the blessing on the moon. And that's because the blessing on the moon is a step up above our regular system of creation. The regular system was created six days. 
and then the seventh day God rested. And so to greet the divine presence stepping out of our creation, we therefore wait seven days. Um, we don't have to wait seven full days, but we would rather wait six full days. The seventh day, then we can already make the blessing on the moon. Um, this is similar to also a newborn. We wait seven, there we wait seven full days till after, after a baby is born to circumcise him, and we then circumcise him on the eighth day. So in the same way, we must wait for the, um, we wait according to Kabbalah seven days. Jewish communities today have various varying customs. Some community follow the law of the, the original law that it was, uh, uh, that one has to wait three days. Um, and many communities follow the Kabbalistic rule that one should wait seven days or to the beginning of the seventh day, but it must be done again before 15 full days after the Molad, after the new moon. Now this... I'm going to get to it. This sometimes creates a challenge because when it's cloudy, you can sometimes, you cannot make the blessing on the moon. You have to be able to see the moon and see the moon's light. It has to be able to brighten it, to, to give us light. And so when it's cloudy, you cannot make the blessing. Sometimes you can make many, wait many days before you're able to make the blessing. Now, if you only have a small window from seven days after the molot until 15 days after the molot, right? You only essentially have an eight-day window. That's not a very large window to be able to make the blessing on the moon. So therefore, um, we, are the, we are told that if normally we wait till Saturday night to make the blessing, but if Saturday night is going to be later than 10 days following the molot, don't wait because you may end up with too many nights in a row of clouds and you'll miss the blessing, so then you should do it just any night. But if Saturday night is going to be within seven, eight, nine, or ten days after the molad, then you should do it um, on Saturday night. Um, and we'll wait till Saturday night. Um, and if it is cloudy, of course, on Saturday night, then you cannot do it Saturday night right after Shabbat, but you would then do it um, later, whenever, whichever night it is visible until the 15th. There are some months, though, that we do not make the blessing on the moon at the beginning of the month. Um, notably, in the month of Av, the month of Av, the first nine days are days of mourning. So we don't want to make the blessing of the moon during those days of mourning. So we wait till after Tish Av, after the ninth of Av, and after Tish Av, the ninth of Av, we make the blessing. The same is also in the month of Tishrei, the month that Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is in. During that month, we um, the first ten days are days of repentance repentance um, so we don't want to make a blessing then we rather wait till after Yom Kippur and indeed one of the things that we do right after Yom Kippur <coughs> right after our evening service at the end of Yom Kippur is we make you can eat something first but then immediately we make a blessing on the on the moon yes is it a different prayer than the one that we say when we're on Shul don't know what you're referring you're talking about the blessing for the month the, the blessing of the, blessing the month of the this is a blessing of the moon we don't say the blessing of the moon in shul we say the well it's in shul but not indoors it's outdoors looking up at the moon at night when you can see the moon again usually we try to do it saturday night but if not any night and we try to do it with a minion but again you can do it without a minion so is as it well in the prayer book? it is in the prayer book yes
Mm-hmm. We sure do. So we begin the blessing of the moon, the Kiddush Levana, by reciting part of chapter 148 in Psalms, praising God for the sun, moon, and stars. And then we recite, before we recite the blessing, then we recite the blessing itself. To do that, we look up, we put our feet together, standing at attention, because we're standing, we're greeting the Divine Presence. So you want to stand at attention, put our feet together. Um, similar to the way we do by the Amida when we pray the, um, the Shemona Esrei, um, our primary prayer, similarly by, we do by the Kedusha when reciting the, um, when reciting the prayer, the, the, the praises of the angels. Um, so we put our feet together and we look up at the moon and then we look down. We don't want to look at the moon as we're saying the blessing because we don't want to give the impression that we're praying to the moon. We're not, God forbid. We pray to God, thanking God for the moon, but you want to first see the moon and enjoy its light before you make the blessing. And then we recite this blessing. The blessing is a, it begins, Baruch HaTah Hashem. Okay, no matter is every other blessing. It's a fairly long blessing. It includes a number of different points. It thanks God for the moon, for the predictability and consistency of all the planets. Now, they're all predictable and, and consistable. We thank God for renewing the moon and mention that it pre- represents our people, um, that we are renewed and regenerated and regrown just as the moon waxes and wanes. We are regenerated um, and regrown as well. So that's the blessing itself. It's a couple lines. But then following the blessing, we recite a number of important prayers. Firstly, we raise ourselves, kind of in sort of jumping, or raise ourselves three times, and then we thank God, um, saying, Baruch Osech, Baruch Yotzrech, Baruch Barech, Baruch Konech, thank is he, thanks is he who made you, thanks is he who for, thank you is he who formed you, thank is he who created you, and thank is he who acquired you. And that is an allusion to the four universes spoken of in Kabbalah, the universe of Asiya, action, Yetzirah, formation, Bria, creation, and Atzilut, emanation. And we thank God for each of those four universes that he created. And then we say, just as I, just as I am jumping before you, but I cannot touch you, so too my enemies should not be able to touch me. And this is an allusion to the fact that the moon, like, and we do this three times, jumping and then reciting these, um, thanking God for the four universes and reciting this line just as um, I am jumping to you and cannot touch you, so too my enemies should not be able to touch me. And this is allusion to the fact that the moon, like all other beings in the sky, cannot be manipulated. As much as we would like to, there is nothing we can do to manipulate or change the paths of the sun, the moon, or any of the stars. We have zero control over them. Here on Earth, we think that we have the power to manipulate events. But that is mistaken. That is a illusion that we have. We think we can manipulate events, but in truth, God is in total control of everything that happens. So just as we cannot control the moon and we cannot manipulate the moon, so too we are in, um, uh, so too we are in total, uh, God is in total control. We cannot control events that happen here on earth either. People get very nervous 
get very worried. They think they have control over their lives. They don't. If we would just sit back and realize everything is in God's hands. He wants us to do our part. We need to do our things. God is not going to help us if we don't first help ourselves. Don't make an effort on our hand. But we can only make, on our part, we can only make the effort though. We cannot guarantee results. Only God is responsible for results. So you do your part and sit back. Let God do the rest. Place your trust in God. Let him take care of it. Just as he controls all the celestial beings, everything else in the sky, and we have zero control over it. So too, everything else in your life, you have no real control. It's just an illusion. Leave it up to God. It's all up to him. He's in charge. We then continue... And we say the words, which are, have since become, very recently become famous uh, with a very common, very well-known Jewish song. David, Melech Yisrael, Chai Vekayam. David, King of Israel, lives and um, exists, or is everlasting. This line is, was first comes from the Talmud in the book of Rosh Hashanah. It tells us then, there, that Rabbi, Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi was the president of the Sanhedrin, of the Supreme Council of Judaism, um, in the late 2nd century, the late 100s. And at the time, the Romans were um, banning the activities of the Sanhedrin, the Supreme Council of Judaism. They did not want them to act. Um, one of the most important roles of the Supreme Council was to um, declare the new month each month. So Rabbi instructed his Rabbi Huda Nasi instructs his student Rabbi Chia to go to a certain place where he would to convene the other, with other members of the Sanhedrin to declare the new month, and um, it was not to be near him. Presumably, he would be watched, and um, they couldn't do it anywhere. They had to do it this in secret, and then they were to send him a message once it was completed, and the code they would send with the messenger in case he gets caught, right, so that he shouldn't know what it's about, the code they would send with the messenger were the words, David, Melech Yisrael, Chayim David, King of Israel, lives and is eternal. This code was chosen, commentaries say, because, as we explained earlier, the moon represents King David. as a force that gets bigger and smaller, but is ultimately is eternal. The same is true for David himself, the house of David, which had its ups and downs. Um, the house of David has since fallen and is no longer um, no longer rules and we don't really truly even know who is left from the house of David and yet we believe that it is eternal and will be restored in a future time and the same is of course true for our people we go up and down um, but we will be restored and we still live and will be restored and so that was chosen as the code then uh, because it represents um, because the moon is, rep, rep, uh, is a representation of the royal house of David, therefore we recite that code given by Rabbi Yehuda Anasi to Rabbi Chia. Um, we recite it um, now when we, as part of the blessing on the moon, we recite it three times. Then we turn to the people around us, and we turn to three people around us, and to each person we say, Shalom Aleichem, which is what you still say in Hebrew, Shalom Aleichem, which means peace to you. It's a greeting, um, like saying hello in Hebrew. And they respond back, Aleichem Shalom, um, which is the way you respond when someone says Shalom Aleichem, peace to you. The proper response is Aleichem Shalom. 
That's the proper response in Hebrew. Um, of course, there's a Jewish joke um, that why do Jews always respond to Shalom Aleichem? Why do we, they respond with the words Aleichem Shalom? Because if one Jew says one thing, the other Jew is going to say the opposite. <laughs> so, but the reason why we greet each other is a reference to the words of our sages that we Jews are not controlled by astrological signs. Ein mazal Yisrael, we are not controlled by astrological signs or the zodiac. Um, maybe other nations um, speak to astrological signs, but that is not something that is relevant to us. But not just astrology, but we are directed directly by God. Our fate is in the hands of God. And our fate is entirely in the hands of God. Um, and that's why we greet each other, recognizing that we are, it is not the moon that decides our fate or any other astrological signs, but it is God himself who decides our fate. Another explanation given as to why we recite this, why we greet each other, three people around you, when you are saying this blessing, um, is that we have a tradition that anyone who recites the blessing on the moon no harm will come to them that month. So if you recite the blessing, thanking God for the moon, it is so powerful that you will not be harmed that month. And therefore we greet each other with peace because you'll be okay. Everything will be fine for the next month, till the end of this month, because you made that blessing on the moon. Another, another explanation given is that the sun and moon work even though they, you would think two big powers in the sky would, work, would be competition with each other. They work in tandem. The moon always reflects the sun's light, just perfectly. Never fighting with each other. We humans have to work the same way. We have to learn that to reflect off each other, to work with each other. No value in fighting with each other, and therefore we greet people around us in order to make peace uh, with others. We then say three times, it's all part of the ceremony, Simon Tov, O Mazel Tov, Yehelanu, O Lechol Yisrael, Amen. Um, good sign and good luck shall be for us and for all of Israel, Amen. And this, of course, is the source of that phrase, Simon Tov, O Mazel Tov, good sign and good luck, comes from here. Um, the line is, has since become kind of to congratulate people when they reach a life milestone. You say the words Simantov Mazaltov, um, which is good sign, good luck, but this is where it is from. But it, over here it is said in the sense that Jews stand above fate. We are not controlled by fate or by destiny. Our destiny is directed by God. So we then conclude the ceremony um, with the verse of a couple verses. We recite some verses from Shir Hashirim, Kol Dodi, um, Zeba, uh, Kol Dodi, the um, sound of my beloved referring to God, um, is jumping over the mountains and over the hills to reach us, um, speaking essentially how God's presence is always found with us despite Wherever we may be or whatever we may be doing, God's presence is with us. We then read Psalms chapter 121. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where, from where will my help come? My help will come from God. How God is always there for us, always helping us. We then recite chapter 150, the final chapter in Psalms, um, which is praising God. 
Um, hallelujah, praise God. Um, and um, then we read the quote from the Talmud in Sanhedrin, where it describes over there the importance of um, making the blessing on the moon every month. And then we ask God to bring us to a future time when the moon will be equal to the sun with the coming of Moshiach and the restoration of the house of David. And then we conclude with chapter 67 in Psalms. Chapter 67 itself is a very powerful mystical psalm. Um, it is known as the Menorah Psalm. Um, it asks God to, have, to give us grace and mercy. Um, but it um, is structured, the word structure is structured like the shape of a menorah, um, in that there is um, a smaller verse with five words, then a verse with seven words, then a verse with nine words, then a middle verse that is much longer, um, kind of like the middle stem, then a verse with nine, then seven, then five. Um, and so in that sense, it... Um, uh, in that sense, it uh, it kind of creates a kind of longer, shorter, shorter, um, and then long in the middle. Um, it creates, it can be written out as a menor in the shape of a menorah. And uh, indeed, there's a Kabbalistic custom to write the um, this chapter in the shape of a menorah and um, and uh, put it in various places. Um, so we recite. It's also a, so it's a prayer invoking God's salvation. And so we conclude with this chapter. And then we conclude with the reciting the Aleno prayer, which we recite at the end of each prayer. We went to the class on the Aleno prayer, um, which essentially declares our allegiance to God. It's what you could call the Jewish Pledge of Allegiance. Um, and uh, we do it at the end of each prayer, morning, afternoon, and evening. And also at the end of any special occasion, we always conclude with the Aleno prayer. And then if we have a minion, if we have a quorum of ten, um, Kaddish is then recited. So this blessing of the moon that we recite every month has many, many, it is found in the Siddur, in the prayer book. Um, it's usually found at the end of the Shabbat prayers, because it's done after Shabbat. Um, it has many powerful themes. It speaks of our challenges and our growth, that wheel where we go up and down, up and down, like the moon that waxes and wanes. Um, it reminds us how our power is not our own, but we're simply reflecting God, just as the moon simply reflects the sun. And it also reminds us of our eternity, just like the moon keeps going. But perhaps most important is the message of our goal and our future. While the moon is small now and reflects the sun, and the future will be bigger, and reminds us that despite all the challenges that we may face, we will reach a time with the coming of Moshiach when our challenges will end. We will reach a time when we, our people, will become a light for all the nations of the world with the coming of Moshiach. So that is the blessing of